0: Hey
1: everybody, welcome back to another episode of Gamer's Guide to Ecology, where I play popular open world RPGs from an ecological perspective. I'm Jesse D, an open world RPG gamer with a master's degree in ecology and evolution. On today's episode, I sit down with a few of my friends and chat Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. We talk about gameplay and where it fits in with other notable RPGs and within the Legend of Zelda franchise. Today we're also joined by special guest Pat Edwards. Pat is an author, podcaster, and live-play D&D 5e Twitch streamer. He's joining us today to talk about the art of storytelling and world-building. Well, thanks, guys, um, for coming. Uh, Mm -hmm. Let's go around the horn here and uh, just introduce everybody so Pat knows who he's talking to tonight. So let's start with Alex. Hi
2: there. Well, my name's Alex, and I like to party, and that's about (laughs) all you need to know about me. You say that every Um, time. (laughs) But I do, and it's a How many parties have
1: you been to since we started podcasting, though?
2: Like seven. Um, (laughs) Um... but yeah, I'm a long-time biologist and long-time geek as well. I like to play with DNA and Dungeons and Dragons on occasion, and I played a couple video games. So that's my story. Oh, and there's a child and a partner in the house, but that's not important. <laughs> Anyways, I got my start on D and D from listening to Geekly way, way back when. So yay!
3: Very
1: cool. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah.
3: So I'm Andrew. Uh, yeah, met. Uh, Jesse playing D and D, and Alex and I went to university together. I'm currently doing uh, counseling psychology stuff right now. My master's trying to finish that up, and yeah, I mean, been gaming for geez, since they could put a controller in my hand pretty much. So always, uh, always down and excited to play something new. And um, I know I, I'd had some previous experience with uh, you know Breath of the Wild, and when Jesse said that. They wanted to jump into it. I I was super excited because this is a really fun one. I didn't uh, I didn't connect with a lot of friends that had played it, so this should be a good one.
1: Um, I'll go next. <laughs> um, so I'm Jesse. Uh, this is my podcast. Welcome. It's called Gamer's Guide to Ecology. Um, I am now an ecologist and also a gamer. And I thought, you know, what better way to bring two things that I really enjoy together to just you know make it a love project and. Um, and be able to to merge two audiences because I know there's a lot of n- like nerdy ecologists out there, but I don't know if there's many like p- gamers who think from like a scientific perspective when they game. And so that's the whole like pitch of my show is to is to tell gamers about the ecology and the science and the video games that they play, as opposed to like showing video games to ecologists. Um, so so it's more on the side of like teaching people ecology than it is teaching them about video games. But um, it's it's turned into a whole new thing because um, we have a special guest today. And so I would like to introduce uh, Pat Edwards. And uh, Pat, take it away. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself?
0: Hi, all my buddies. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, my name is Pat Edwards. I am uh, a writer and I uh, I write Novels. I have a ongoing science fiction comedy series called Space Tripping, and I also write for uh, independent TTRPG gaming publications, such Ooh, That's as... news to me. <laughs> that's very funny, listener. That's very funny <laughs> <laughs> because I just I... bought Pat's book, <laughs> <laughs> and now you're all in on it. So, so we're all laughing. No, yes, Jesse, thank hey, you so much. That is. was very nice of you to support. Yes, they are holding up a uh, copy. Yeah. Oh Yes, man. it's 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 a it's a beast. Um, Easy there, Hamilton. Do you ever
2: stop writing? What's going on?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did not write that whole thing. Um, uh, Jesse's being very kind. I wrote about a little, just shy of half of it. And yeah, what uh, they're talking about is, and Jesse has, is the Red Opera, an epic fifth edition campaign saga that um, I co-wrote with uh, another excellent gentleman named Rick Hines. And there's a few guest writers who contributed some side quests to it. But it is an adaptation of a heavy gothic, heavy metal album and stage show. Called the red opera by a band called dia morte who uh, contract contracted rick and i to uh, th- basically the lead singer the front man of the band knows rick who's a friend of mine both of our first books were published on the same publisher we hit it off we, we both grew up in the chicago area and uh, met at a book signing and hit it off and They had this album, and they do this stage show. That's actually a story. It's actually like an opera, right? It's like gothic and metal and dark and raw. And there's like it's orchestral, but also like growly metal and intense. And there is a storyline to it. And uh, I myself, full disclosure, am not the biggest metal fan, but I love D and D and TTRPGs, and I could appreciate I could appreciate everything. I can dabble. I can dabble in a little bit. You name a genre. I probably have a, a song or a album that I dig so in that genre. You got yes.
2: your toes dipped into K-pop.
0: Yes. Just a bit. Yeah. Just a yes. bit. Even country. Yes, I know. Oh. Everyone clutch your pearls aghast. Shocking. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I like a little bit of everything. But So Rick and the front man of Dia Morte Drake are friends, and he was always joking to him this it would make a great campaign. And they said, well, do it. We'll hire you. Do it. He said, and then he started and he said, This is a big animal. This is a lot more work. So he brought me in. And uh, because I play in, I've been going on a couple of years now. I play, uh, Geekly was mentioned earlier, Geekly Inc. I play in a, uh ongoing stream se- show of theirs on Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Geekly Inc. We're the daytime crew. Um <laughs> And it's a
1: hoot. I got Alex watching last week.
0: <laughs> uh, we like to have fun, uh, <laughs> and, and by fun, we're just everyone's just very mean to me. It's okay, I can handle it. But so so we 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 turned this thing. It was going to be just a short little splat page. Sorry, I'm rambling and kind of getting off base here. But no. it, it turned into this big nice. epic thing, um, and became way physically like literally larger, like the book itself that <laughs> you were holding. Cool. And then just as a project, um, like metaphorically bigger than we ever anticipated. And it's kind of launched us into a couple of other, uh, some, some other cool projects in that world as well. So, uh, have you had a chance to dig in yet at all, Jesse, or are you're you assembling your party or.
1: I, um, I'm currently running a tyranny of dragons campaign. And so I had thought about, uh, borrowing some encounters from the book And I have sort of glanced at it And checked mm-hmm. out like the monsters Because some of the monsters are new I mean, I think all of them are new You were saying, right?
0: Yes, yes So that was And, and I'm excited to be here talking about this And the underlying premise of the show Is because um, I discovered My main job for that book Was uh, Settings Setting creation Like building the world Hey, <laughs> we're, you know, world building uh <laughs> And encounter Design so encounter you know the the you know not just the combats or skill challenges but just anything that qualifies as an encounter where you're playing the game you're (laughs) you're playing the actual gamesmanship of it and I found I had a little bit of a knack for that and yes pretty much every monster is an original creation and they're short of your you know your if you're fighting an elf assassin it's an elf right anything that's not you know generic grandfather clause fantasy right like public knowledge um i we just had this idea of why not why why go to the well why not just do our own thing across the board when it comes to things like and it
1: really it really sets the tone like i i haven't had a chance to digest a lot of it but i did uh get the vibe from the soundtrack that's on spotify um, so you guys can find the Red Opera soundtrack oh, on Spotify. There's
2: an yes. accompanying soundtrack. To yes. Like? Oh yeah. So, Every
1: chapter comes with like a QR code. You got to mm-hmm. scan it, and like it'll play in your player's ears. And so I'm like really looking forward to you guys finishing Tyranny of Dragons so we can do this. But
0: uh, it, yeah, yeah, that so. was really I was re- really excited when that was able to come together. So obviously I mentioned it, it's an adaptation of, of an album and a stage show, but I, you know that's obviously a lot shorter than an entire that bo- if you play the red opera and you play every side quest and every potential it will take you a, you know if you're if you're doing one session a week it's going to take you like a year to play through. It's a good mm. beefy campaign. Um, obviously a single traditional album is a lot short is you know an hour or in change maybe. So the band is they actually con- contracted with the Budapest Symphonic Scoring Orchestra and created extended orchestral versions of each track. So there's ten chapters in the book, 10 tracks in the original album. They share the same names, each you know, it takes you through mm. the story. Um, and then basically they took the backing track for the original album and then extended it. so you have, yes, you have background music for each chapter as you play through it built in god i hope
2: they stay on quest in that book because it's gonna get real <laughs> yeah, weird, really yeah. good, a funky town instead you know
1: <laughs> yeah you better have spotify premium when you play this campaign otherwise who
0: knows a really everyone. dark <laughs> dark know? emotional moment and an ad for purple mattresses cuts in or something <laughs> like yeah. uh, is your back bothering you yeah
1: <laughs> watch this short video to get 30 minutes of ad-free listening and you're like wait what <laughs>
0: Or, very appropriate. What's it like? Podcasty Spotify ad thing. Uh, it's like a very dark, emotional moment. Someone's died or something, and it's an ad for TalkSpace. Do you need to talk to a therapist <laughs> online?
1: All right. Well, let's swing back to something, mm-hmm. uh, Pat, that you were talking about earlier. You mentioned about uh, world building, and uh, that's the theme of the show. The episode this week is uh, storytelling and the legend of Zelda. And mm. what I wanted to talk about was um, world building, because that's part of your uh, expertise. You you did it in the Space Tripping series. Um, I listened to book number one on Audible and uh, haven't ordered book number what? two yet, but I definitely will buy it when it comes this out. This interview is over. Um <laughs> <laughs> And, and so you, so for, for Andrew and Alex, space tripping is, um, it's like this normal guy that gets beamed up by aliens that somehow like figures out that there's this whole universe that he didn't know existed and he gets dropped right Mm -hmm. into the middle of it, literally. And it, and just has to like survive. And it's like one of those, like, you know, that piano song where like shit's happening and like, everybody's like fighting in a bar and this one guy's just like walking through the foray, like not getting hit by anything. Like that's the lead character.
0: That's that's a very I like that. That's a very good uh, distillation of yes. It's exactly yes.
1: It's it was funny. Just
0: kind of wild shit going on around, and you're just kind of like, oh, that's, uh, this is interesting, wild. I hope I don't die. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Mass Effect.
1: <laughs> and eventually, he's just like he's very much like. Uh, he just accepts his reality at that point. He's just like, at the beginning, he's like, what the fucking, what the, what the hell? <laughs> and then by the end, he's just like, man, aliens are hot sometimes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, okay.
0: So, yes, I, when I was writing it, I was like, I'll be, I had, I've always had the thought. I was like, you know what? Honestly, I, I feel like, I feel like sometimes yeah. they, they milk that too much in in things when it's like it's revealed that like magic is real or aliens are real there's and and people are like losing their minds and just having such a hard time but i feel like pop culture and i've i've been consuming sci-fi and fantasy for for a decade for multiple you know for three decades um i feel like if it was was me there would be an initial moment of what the fuck but it would be relatively quick Be like okay all right like and then it would be like catalog of tropes start running through the brain like, like I'm on the hunt I'm on the hunt for all the like okay okay I, I see where this is going I got you I got you like I've seen this roll the like pull up what what rules are we going with here like what what franchise yeah yeah
3: oh <laughs> uh, Pat I really like that though like because <laughs> I I feel like that's what the realistic or more you know average or common person's reaction might be after you've had all this time with like popular entertainment and stuff. Is that like, Hey, I've been in some sci-fi worlds I really loved and like read a book that, you know, I had an awesome experience with. And if that happened in real life or if that actually happened to me, yeah, maybe I'd be like, okay, this is real. What are you talking about? But I have this like settling in moment of like, okay, cool. Like I I know how this maybe should work or is going to go. So is that kind of what you mean?
0: Yes. Yes, like we, I feel like obviously, like real, real hard, hard sci fi. If you listen to like your, your rest, you know, rest in power king or Carl Sagan's of the world, you know, Stephen Hawking's, like if there's life, it, it probably maybe exists in a form that we can't, we don't understand, we don't have the, the blocks in our brain to put together like how it exists. But that be, my the sci-fi they call it hard sci-fi. My my sci-fi is not hard. It's it's very fast. It's very soft. It's very fast and loose with like physics and, um, it's about fun. <laughs> but that being said, I feel like we've all seen enough that if you're in this situation, you'd would, you would immediately we have these touchstones, right? We have all these pop culture touchstones that we would use to maybe like ground ourselves very qu- quickly. Like okay, 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 I'm in. All right. I'm in a sci-fi adventure. All right, now I need to find out what kind of sci-fi adventure.
1: But what was it like, Pat, creating a like the boundaries of the universe there? Because I mean, we know about life on Earth, and we know about you know we have uh, certain things we can lean on for sci-fi. But like, you basically got to create an entire universe. Like you were you were doing the sort of like Star Wars thing with like all of these different aliens and complex trade routes and like economies yeah. and things like that. What was Honestly, that like?
0: It was kind of with the first one a little bit it was kind of a combination of a little planning and a little as i go where it would be major major big ideas major plot big ideas for world building and major plot beats and then the the details filling in the gaps between them would be kind of as you go like see Con- like the first book is very much um, the second book was a little more fleshed out in my brain before I wrote it as far as what I wanted to do with it the first one was very, I have this general idea of where I want to go but it was it's very character driven I'll say, where it's very, here is scenario, how would these characters react in this scenario what are the consequences of that reaction what is the new c- scenario created by that reaction, rinse and repeat and just, you keep going, you just kind of, you know, recycle through that. And then as far as the world building, it's, mm-hmm. it was just kind of a, what, it was very much a, what, what makes sense, what seems to make sense for what I'm going for, the vibe I'm going for. Um, This doesn't spoil anything, but like a big, a big thing I was curious with was what's my, what's my sci-fi space opera, you know, soft physics mechanism going to be for how intergalactic travel works right because there's a lot of there's a couple different ways to do it do you do just like warp drive or do you do faster than light or do you do how
2: much spice did you use that's the real question is it spice oregano 10 spice
0: spice? (laughs) um i mean booze it's very it's a very boozy book but um so i kind of settled on because i read the thing recently essentially jesse to kind of circle back to your your direct question is you know building out the world I, I was looking at it a uh, what what would be fun what would be something that is kind of walks the line of not being too far out there and ridiculous and and maybe has like uh, at least one foot in potentially um and, you know in reality and could still work for the story and kind of create some of because the one thing is if if you're if you do like the warp drives, that kind of cuts out one whole potential category of challenges, right? It's, we just go where we want to go, pop, pop. So, so like in space tripping, it's basically, it's like wormholes is what they're using. You know, there's these, there's these, there's these unexplained, they call them anomalies, wormholes out there in the universe. They don't know how they got there, but they know that if you have the right kind of engine and ship and you hit it at the right speed and trajectory, you go in at one point, you end up at another point and they build the economy around that, um, Great. So that becomes a factor of that creates a whole new mechanism, right? Or di- something dynamic is you have to have an anomaly nearby. You have to be able to access it. You have to know where you're going, do it the right way. So and then things kind of st- that was a, one of the first big questions I had to answer. What, and then everything and then I started stemming from that. It's like, OK, if that's what it is, what does that mean then? How would this society build around that? and develop itself so really i'd say like most things it starts with you have to make one choice you have to make one choice kind of on faith or something without without anything grounding it and say this is the choice i'm going to make and then build from there
2: pat I, i was wondering if like for your books you have like a massive tome of you know what the universe is at the side
0: or is it more of a just whatever the characters see you know it's honestly a lot of kind of as I go and what makes, like, oh, that's a good idea. That would make sense in the moment. And then I'll file it. I'll make a note of it. And I'm kind of building out my own little personal encyclopedia of the universe I've created. So I can kind of go back and all the made-up words. That gets a lot <laughs> to, to to track, like all, all the made-up words. <laughs> um, I would say compared to a lot of people I know, I definitely I probably don't plan as much. Because, again, it's in the moment. I don't want – because here's what I don't want is if you plan too much, something can feel forced. I want it to feel very natural and Mm -hmm. flow, and you're just not even thinking about it. It's just, okay, that makes sense.
1: It did definitely come off that way um, because, like – the, it's it's not really told from Chuck's perspective but he is the main character and so when you encounter the scene for the first time and you're in you know introduced to all these new things and new technologies and you're like well I don't know what the hell that is Chuck's like I don't know what the hell that is <laughs> so it's very much like you know you're experiencing it at the same pace that Chuck is and it's mm-hmm. it's good right, old it's that, organic, that yeah.
0: good old uh vessel for the audience or yeah.
3: this game is so popular and you know kind of like transcends like even generations of gaming but essentially link is kind of like a silent protagonist like maybe there's you know little script or something when link's interacting with the npcs or whatever um but it's not like he has these big monologues and he's this big personality like character larger than life that you interact with and it's like you know going on the other end of things maybe more sci-fi like a you know, a star wars thing where you've got you know skywalker and you've got this whole like you know dynamic between people and they have these witty lines and one-liners and stuff it's just like so iconic but he doesn't say anything and i kind of feel like there's almost like a mix between maybe the character you're describing in your book between those two sides of like he's a vessel for the audience um you know he doesn't say nothing but he's not maybe like overtly this massive massive character that everything needs to revolve around or i I don't know maybe i'm getting that wrong but like did you make a conscious decision when you're making that choice
0: no no i think you got yes absolutely i would say that um so chuck is the protagonist i would say he starts um if you so it's, it's it's i'm trying to go back because i i am knee deep in the third book currently and the second one is yet to come out so so it's one of the things where of course and he's yeah. grown as and he's definitely grown as a character and um you know added some dimension and layer but definitely in the beginning i there was an intent in the in to have him be somewhat of not not too distinct early on and kind of slowly build out who he is and what he is but also for that very specific reason um a lot of the choices i made in the first book i'll be honest because that was my like my first like you know novel and published and everything i guess a lot of the choices are i'm a huge nerd i've been you know in sci-fi fantasy i'm all, I'm online a lot of a lot of the things that i a mental exercise i did very frequently was okay what are the nerds on the internet going to say about this? Like, what's their criticism going to be like, how are they going to tear this apart? Like, how are they going to poke holes in this? Or so it would kind of come at it from that angle, <clears throat> which, which can be a useful exercise. It can be, uh, not healthy. If you get too into the weeds, and worry about that. You got to kind of find that happy medium, but you, but you are, uh, cor- you are correct, Andrew, that there was definitely some intention, especially early on to, Keep him relatively, uh, especially the beginning of the book, first half of the book. Keep him relatively uh, v- very similar to Link. Yeah, Link is very Link doesn't have like in, in most of the iterations of the Zelda games doesn't really have much of a personality. He is that, and even isn't like the official line from the company. Like he's a Link from the player and the game or something. That's like their official. No yeah, yeah. There is like a way. quote How on dare that. You? Like, <laughs> he's the link for, i have no idea he's the link for i the player. You. i thought i saw something <sighs> um i did a little i did a little homework before this i was reading you know reading up oh, something
1: bless your heart <sighs> yeah there's definitely a
3: theory that like link is supposed to be your connection to the game yeah. to the world into like zelda and the, the reason you're going on this mm-hmm. like quest basically
1: All right, well, let's chat about Zelda, um, because I believe all of you have played uh, at least one Legend of Zelda game. I think there's like 14 or something insane now. So many. Um, So So why don't we go around quickly and talk about what you like about Legend of Zelda, any game, pick a game, um, and maybe what you dislike about them.
2: Well... I'm going to start here because I have had a love and hate relationship with Zelda my entire life. Not, well, Zelda, the, the actual character is Zelda, but <laughs> going back to me in elementary school, there I am. All the cool kids are talking about Ocarina of Time having a blast and I'm like, okay, I'll go to the local blockbuster and I'll, I'll rent this, this shit and I'll, I'll give it a go. And then like I come in the next day, I'm like, yo guys, that Zelda is so cool He's swinging his sword around there, and they're all like, you idiot. No, you did it. His name's Link. Yeah. (laughs) And so I never played it again uh, until I was much, much, much older. Uh, I was that kid who was like, yeah, Link's uh, Zelda's so cool. Him in his green suit, and I got laughed at. I didn't, hard to believe, as a nerdy adult, I was a very
0: cool, suave (laughs) elementary school student. So, okay. I was in all the population. It sounds like you're deflecting. It's not the games that (laughs) did you dirty, Alex. It was those shitty little classmates of yours that were not kind to you. Yeah. Don't blame the game. Don't blame the game. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Yeah,
1: Legend of Zelda uh, Ocarina of Time is the very first Zelda game that I played. And, hmm. I mean, I have such nostalgia. I pulled too many all-nighters to count playing that game. I remember going to my friend Madeline's house down the road. She had the, like, the iMac computer, you know, that was, like, the solid, it was just this monitor, but the computer was the monitor, right? She had one of those mm-hmm. and, like, a dot printer. And uh, we went online, we found, a, like, walkthroughs, because, you know, we're, like, 10 years <laughs> yeah. old. We don't fucking know how to beat the the, like, temples of time or whatever, right? So... So Don't you dare mention the
2: water temple. If you mention the water <laughs> yeah. temple, I will cry. <laughs> we
1: had to print. We had to print out the walkthroughs because we had no idea how to beat the game. It was so convoluted as like a kid, right? And so I remember oh. we wasted like her dad's ink in the printer.
0: <laughs> yeah, printing out like hundred so page FAQs and anyway. stuff. So, so I'm. <laughs> so, so I'm definitely the old of this group here, because <laughs> you're talking. Because I my I, the ones I spent the most time playing were the Granddaddy OG and also uh, Link to yeah. the Past for Super Nintendo was that was my my elementary school childhood uh, I guess Ocarina of Time was I don't know, what year was that do you know ninety eight Wow Okay So I would have played that Yeah I, I I dabbled in Ocarina of Time but not as much as Link to the Past But I was still in junior high then I guess So I'm not that ah, good. Did you play
3: Legend of Zelda as well like the the original
0: yeah. I have, yeah. We we have it in a box <laughs> in my house with a, a Nintendo. My wife's old OG oh, Nintendo, geez. too, nice. system. I wonder if it still works <laughs> if we're to plug it in. Um, oh, yeah. Do you even
1: have, like, a, do you have a cable to, like...
0: I As a thing, I don't even know if it would plug in to the TV we have. Uh,
2: <laughs> the GameCube did release a yep. collector's edition for Legend of Zelda that did have all the ones previously up to, what? I think, Twilight Princess
0: continues to be the most underrated system of all time the which one
1: did you start out playing andrew
3: oh uh, n64 uh, i had a nintendo like an og nintendo um but like i only had a couple of games for it and then by the time you know i'd started to wanting to play games is i was too old to get a super nintendo so i ended up getting an n64
1: i never had an n64 it was just my friends i had an original nintendo but the only games we had were like mario and mike tyson's punch out and, like, I wasn't good at either of them, so I just didn't play it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I never... Oh, man. I didn't actually own the Super. I played it at a friend's. The first console I owned was the Super Nintendo mm-hmm. that my parents would, would buy for me. So, um, <laughs> so that's probably also why, like, Link to the Past was the one I probably logged the most time. For of. me,
2: the one that I actually finished was Wind Waker. Because Majora's oh, yeah. Mask was too spooky. And then I stopped playing video games as much after that. That Wind Waker, for some reason, going out exploring those islands in a grid pattern, knowing there's going to be one there <laughs> on your magic boat. That that was my good stuff. That, that got me happy.
1: I haven't played that one. Um, but... I mean, you'll be hard-pressed to find somebody that doesn't know about the Legend of oh, Zelda yeah. franchise, I think. so. Um, <laughs> but the Legend of Zelda franchise basically uses the same characters to tell the same story in a different way every time. So Zelda and Link are reincarnations of the goddess Hylia and her chosen hero, and Ganon is this reincarnated demon that they have to fight every time. So the story of Ganon rising up, uh, the hero the princess defeating or imprisoning him, uh, has been told like countless times now, but fans of the series keep coming back to it. So, what do you guys think makes this type or style of storytelling so appealing to fans? Why do you think people keep playing the same game over and over again? For
0: a, I'd say for a lot of reasons. I'd say a couple big ones are: I mean, it's the it's a classic hero's journey, one of the the original OG uh, story archetypes, right? And It's relatively, I think there's something people like about the relative straightforwardness of the heroes, villains, go. Super quick sidebar. I literally yesterday was having a conversation with a good friend who is like a comic book artist and also a a huge, you know, RPG enthusiast. And they were talking about how much fun they had recently. Because I think we all will get into this. When you get into TTRPGs, I feel like your first characters are pretty straightforward archetypes. And then you get to like think you're really clever, and you, you we all have our anti-hero phase and our edge, our edge lord <laughs> hero phase, and it's like, are you even like I'm going to try and play a, a character whose alignment is technically evil? And how you know, and honestly, there's just something very comforting about the simplicity of I'm hero. I do good things. I stop bad. I stop bad guys. Um, so there's that. There is. I'm sure there's a nostalgia factor. It's just yeah, very, sure. Com- I'm sure it's like it's for a lot of people, it's comfort food and it's, but they do different things. But what I, what I love about it is they're doing different things every time. It's like, it's, it's different mechanics, totally different, like aesthetic to the art or, um, and then, and, and just like, there's just something very, it's like your favorite food ingredients. You're just trying cooking them different ways. <laughs> You just put different spices on the chicken.
3: <laughs> but that, the one bit that Pat was leaving off on, I think, was where I wanted to pick up, which was the the gameplay. Um, and I think that's why, <clears throat> like, that there's a large, large amount of people that I think play games for stories. And I think we've all kind of went over that, like, in our own preferences earlier on in some of these podcasts. But I think Zelda, like, does this thing where when there's, like, a leap in, like, graphics or, you know, there's something... Gameplay-wise, it's becoming big, like, the open-world type style and, you know, how they're able to add things in and do things differently. I think, like, they just kind of take another crack at it every time something big or something new kind of comes around, right? Like, the Breath of the Wild one added in this, like, really neat crafting and climbing mechanic that, like, I know... Zelda has had in the past like not necessarily climbing as much as um, I know there is some climbing in the other ones but this is just climb anything right so I think they they kind of took some of these like neat ways in the stamina gauge and things like that and added it in and it feels really fresh even though like Pat was saying it's kind of like beat for beat story like you could you know not know anything about the, the newest Breath of the Wild game and just go immediately, what is this game about? And in one sentence, like, anybody that's played a Zelda game would be able to tell you what it is. You know, oh, we're, we're going after Ganon, um, you know, we're going to get some temples, and there's going to be, like, some of the races that help you along the way, like, you uh, know, the Goros or, like, the Zora people and this kind of stuff, right? So, um, I for me, it's, like, gameplay, because Zelda specifically is one of, like, the tightest gameplay games that I feel like I ever play. Like even going back to the old ones, like they react so well. It's just, you know, it's made so concretely that I feel like it just kind of transcends that way.
0: I would love other, I feel like people talk about all the time. I, I would like other, that would be cool if other franchises did that. I say that <laughs> as if I'm someone who's actively playing video games right now. I'm not, it's been a while. I would honestly, though, it's fun, it's, fun, it's great. We're doing this though, because one day when I have time, it's going to be like, whatever the latest, zelda game is that i will when i get back into gaming more you know like have more time for it i have three small children under the age of six and and multiple <laughs> right you know pro, like, jobs like writing jobs in the works so i don't um my video game life is non-existent these days uh but th- it's something i would do when i get back into and i love it but i i, I like the idea of i feel like that other franchises would be so fun I feel because like, if you have characters you love or if you to see like well a, a different and they kind of dabble in Mario too right like Mario doing things like Mario Kart or um like Mario Party and it's like you're doing different uh, you're taking these characters and kind of the underlying concept in the world tweaking it a bit and adding and, and changing the mechanics around it though which is which is fun because i feel like most franchises Mm -hmm. it's the opposite it's same characters but they keep the mechanics exactly the same like here's a new story it's a sequel it's a traditional here's a sequel exact same mechanics (laughs) before (laughs) like god of war and assassin's creed right examples mechanics for the most part gameplay for the most part little advancements little evolution or, or if you want to be really cynical, uh, all the different sports games, like the Madden football games, where it's like literally the same <laughs> game. You know, sixty dollars basically to upgrade the to update the rosters on the teams. Is what you're, um, but but I, I like that. There's just and you, and you look at even as someone who's not like played a ton of the recent ones, just being aware and looking at them, it's like, oh man, they're really like like. Breath of the Wild that's like Mm. it's Wind Waker those are very different games but they're also the same with the same characters and it's just very Mm -hmm. I find that very interesting
2: it's I think that you hit the nail on the head when you said comfort food and it's funny that you had that talk with your friend the other day because I have actually had this conversation with both Jesse and Andrew where we're so anti-trope in a lot of things like we love the uh, books that go against the grain that you aren't you get surprised by it, but if we were going to sit down and play a tabletop RPG, and I said, alright, goal is, you have this magic ring, gotta bring it through a war-torn country, throw it in a volcano, 90% of people would be like, fuck it, I'm in, get me in there, I want to live that power fantasy, because like you, want, you want to be that hero, you want to step into that story over and over again, doesn't matter really
0: where. Well, and I and I I think the simpler, honestly, when it comes to things like so, the Zelda games, you have Link, who we've already talked about, is kind of just like uh, this empty vessel, blank, you know, a cipher for the audience to step into. Um, I think a lot of the times, I think sometimes all of us uh, RPG, you know, tabletoppers. We'll get in our own head about how creative we are. And I'm going to create this character that's so interesting. They're going to be the most interesting, the most interestingness of all the interesting characters. And I think sometimes that can be a detriment to the gameplay because you're just you're just so in your own head about it. Whereas if you create someone who's like, my name's Chunk. I bash things. You can just dive right in.
1: I you love Chalk already. You can just dive right in,
0: <laughs> completely embody it, and then you're not spend, you're not burning brain power, like processing your own mm-hmm. super intricate... You're, you're you're focused 100% on immersing yourself in the world, and I feel like sometimes the role play can just come more easy and natural, and then you actually are end up having a more fulfilling, three-dimensional, dynamic role play mm-hmm. experience, and you're probably going to have more fun because you're just not thinking <laughs> about it, right? You're just like...
1: Chonk smash. He may
0: smash. Yeah. Chonk Smash. And Sorry, then he, he can, bonks. But then it Chonk Bonk. He bonk, Chonk bonk. Chonk bonk.
2: Yeah. But character growth. Yeah. Later on, you know, he, he might, might smash. smash. Mm-hmm.
0: He might but choose if, not if to bonk. Okay. But if it's if your character's so complicated up top, that's what you're gonna be thinking about the whole time.
1: That's true. And like yeah. how would they react?
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna do this voice and everything where it's just like i'm drunk i bonk. and then i'm like i don't have to think about anything else and then i can be fully fully all in like full you know fully committed all in on the world that's being built around me by by the gm
1: We have a couple more minutes, but let's quickly talk about uh, some of the key factors. I know we touched on it about like the bread and butter, the you know uh, of of video games. Uh, what are the key factors in this style of world building or storytelling that are important to follow? So you said, uh, you know, you gotta have a hero, you gotta have villains, and then the rest is sort of like up to whatever they want to do with the theme. Um, but I guess, but why do you think Zelda does a good job of following that?
0: So something I think is interesting about Zelda in this is kind of meta, right, where it's the games are reincarnations of the same story and same characters like uh kind of the same but different setting. But isn't in the lore of the world of Hyrule isn't that also kind of happening in the world where it's like said like the 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 dark one, the demon again will be defeated but will come back and when I think and when, it's they com- and when they come ba- and yeah. when they come back and when they come back uh, that's when another child will be born who is meant another link or so, you will be born another embodied, you know, from Hylia to defeat him. And it's like cyclical in the, in the game world as well. And what I think is interesting about that is that's, that's our life. Like we all spoiler listener. Um, you're never going to be like done fighting your yeah. inner and outer demons. Can like, confirm professionally? Sorry. You have to make amends with that. <laughs> You're going Wait, to. <laughs> no. You have to like kill them one by one as they come. The ones that are inside you in your brain, you know, we all have those, and the ones that are outside you, and you have to be okay with the fact that this is a war that does not end, and you fight it till you, you know, till you die. And <laughs> but in, it's kind of like that where it's it's not it's never just going to be okay. That's it done. Like my mental health is perfect, and it's going to be perfect for the next forty years of my life or I'm not going to run into any external problems, or, you know, uh, not to get, like, put, you know, right, like, you defeat, let, let's, you know, whatever it is, it, there's always going to be the next one. Um, not to make things too hot topic here, like, we just had a big a local election in my area. Where I'm, in, I'm in a very hotly contested area of <laughs> of progressive versus uh, shitty conservative ideologies, and uh luckily, uh, progressivism won this recent election, but it's like it's not done. In a couple of years, we're gonna probably have this fight again. You know, and it's one of those things where, both internally, externally, it's it's you just gotta you gotta kind of you know like I don't know like what's the word I'm looking for? Gird your loins, <laughs> like suck it, like set your core, tense up, like and be like, this is it, this is yeah. the, this is the fight, and it's it's you did it for now. Take a breather, you, you know, you whether it's a, a personal issue, right? you or if you're struggling with depression or something and you get through a fate you get through an episode or something that's great pat yourself on the back enjoy it a little treat yourself prepare it you know you might have another fight around the corner at some point and and i like that in the same way in this world is yes we defeated ganon for now this generation is safe for a while the next generation is going to have their own one to deal with and we and that's okay. It's, it's, you know, and mm-hmm. it, as long as you're aware of that, you can enjoy that in between time and, and make the most out of life and make the most out of gaming. So I really, I kind of like that. And maybe I'm like I'm way, way in the weeds and off base here and reading way too into it. And <laughs> deep.
2: well, I think there's a lot to be said about that just and that, like a lot of games out there, you get to a point where you, break it or you go into that god mode where you just like you walk through a town and because you did all the side quests someone comes up and you says "halt," and then you just like everyone's dead because you cast one spell or whatever and Zelda's, skyrim, like, skyrim. Yeah, I somebody there yeah. fireball yeah. like yeah. um amazing but um Zelda does a really good job of like it's always challenging there's always something that's better than you and like you're never going to get to that god tier mode and by the time you get to that mode you're stabbing Ganon in the face repeatedly and hoping to god he stays down this time but you know he's coming back as the weird pig monster you just know it um but I think that like those games where you hit that level, where you're like, oh, nothing can really hit me, kill me, like in Assassin's Creed or in other ones that take that long time that don't have that cyclical nature. Um, I put those down. I get bored. Whereas Zelda, it's like, oh, fuck, now I'm back at the Water Temple again, like 80 years later. I hate this already. We're doing it. Because <laughs> like, you're always at disadvantage, which I think you align with more with your psyche than being the most powerful person in the world. Because, like, only a couple of us are the most powerful people in the world. And I'm not one of them.
3: The the one thing, too, that I really like is, like, obviously, yeah, if you're, you know, the completionist, hardcore gamer, you can get geared up and all the, like, extra hearts and stamina gauges and things where you are, like, pretty unstoppable. But the thing that I love about Breath of the Wild, specifically this entry, is, like, virtually any enemy can still put you on your ass like it it, like yes those like little bok goblin things or whatever like they're not going to do a ton of damage but like if you you know just go into it without something or your weapon breaks in the middle of the fight and you're not quick enough or you don't have a something in repair or whatever or you get to a cold place and you don't have the right equipment it's like certain things can just come out come out at you and it makes it feel like the stakes are kind of always there and makes you like want to play the game versus like i think what some of the other people are saying here which is like if nothing matters then why does the game matter what does the story matter right like i think that stakes thing always you know makes a difference for me
1: well this has been uh, a hoot i really enjoyed um talking with you guys. This was some something I'm trying to, to continue into the new year is to have somebody that's like, you know, uh, related to the topic that I want to discuss. And so it was really great, Pat, having you here. Thanks so much for joining us. Why don't you tell us uh, something, you know, anything you want about your projects, if you want to plug anything?
0: Sure. Thank you. I, I am the Pat Edwards across everything. So Twitter, the Pat Edwards, Instagram, the Pat Edwards, my website is ThePatEdwards.com. I recently downloaded TikTok. <laughs> Giving it a shot, Finally, huh? You know, <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh so so uh, honestly, to make it easy, if hearing uh my dumb voice ramble for the last hour is at all interesting to you, go to to make it easy, if you go to my website, ThePatEdwards.com, there are links to where you can buy the space tripping books. So that's if you like sci-fi comedy novels, there's looks to where you can buy like RPG gaming books. I work on like the red opera. If you want to buy that, um, that's, you know, a whole, uh, if you like, it's warlock based, there's lots of new stuff. You can be, there's a whole thing in there for you to be a new playable species. You can be, do you want to be a polar bear? Do you want to be (laughs) a polar bear? Yeah. More than anything in the world. do that. (laughs) 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 Um, but you can check that out there's uh links to the the short film i wrote last year joining call it's won some awards it's about um you know a group of friends trying to play dnd during the pandemic on a zoom call and life keeps getting in the way uh my podcast that i'm one of the hosts of let's rewatch where it's myself and three actual like film industry professionals mm. Watch movies we loved in our youth and see if there's still any good. Um, it's it's fun because it's it's basically it's different than your usual movie podcast where it's like we we already watched it and we're talking about it. There's two halves. The first half of the show we have not watched the movie yet, so we're talking about it, just looking at like trivia and stuff mm-hmm. on IMDb and the cast and making predictions like this is gonna suck, this is gonna rule, this is gonna be offensive as shit. And then we pause the recording, go watch the movie right then and there, and then we all hop back on like within minutes of the movie ending and then talk about it. And uh, it's always fun, the episodes, where the, the first half and second half are very different vibes one way <laughs> or the other, where we were all super negative in the first half. Like, that movie fucking ruled. Wow, did not expect that. I thought it was going to be a piece of shit. Or it's like we're optimistic in the first half, and we come back like, that was a steaming pile of garbage. Wow. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> um, Pat, don't forget to tell us about your, uh, your Thursday night yeah. stream again.
0: Thursday, Thursday stream yes Eastern. so yeah i play in a regular we are currently playing through rhyme of the frost maiden um we started the show we were going to do like the official watsi books so i think we might get away we actually might we might for the third season do the red opera and i might switch to the dm role instead of player we'll see we're talking about it but yeah i mm-hmm. on if you go to twitch the twitch the geekly inc so it's twitch.tv slash geekly inc um thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern where the daytime session because a bunch of us were all uh, professional like writers podcasters artists so we and it was kind of started by Tim Lanning who is a geekly and co-founder and part of the greetings adventures formerly drunks and dragons podcast and Mm -hmm. he was like I want to do something during the day are there any uh, fellow like professional creatives out there who work from home and are able to do something during the day and myself and a few other people so that's fun come we're We're uh, a colorful bunch.
1: Thanks, everyone, for coming by to hang out tonight and chat about storytelling, world building, and The Legend of Zelda. If you're interested in finding out more about Pat's work, you can find links to his books, podcasts, and Twitch stream on his website, thepatedwards.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe on whichever platform you're listening and download new episodes as they come out. You can help me buy more open world and RPG games and keep making episodes about in-game ecology. Thanks for tuning in. Hope to catch you next time. Theme music is called Rain Song by Brett Eagleston, and you can hear more of his music at breteagleston.bandcamp.com.